The following is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to Life as a Life Schooler, where we talk about how to merge life with homeschooling. I'm Danielle Papagiorgio, and today we are talking to someone whom I, I consider one of my greatest mentors, Chris Davis. Most people know Chris Davis as owner of the former homeschool supply company, the Elijah Company, or as a homeschool conference speaker. Others know him as the father of four awesome children, now grown, who are doing amazing things that give Chris the courage to follow God in ever new ways. Still others know him as owner of homeschooltravel.com. For many years, Chris has brought homeschooling families to tour biblical Israel. Chris Davis's blog, homeschoolingwisdom.com, is mostly about homeschooling. However, from time to time, he shares things God has shown him in his 70-plus years on the planet and 30-plus years being involved with homeschooling families. If you follow his blog, you may just read something that will help you raise and educate your own children. When Chris began homeschooling over 30 years ago, he was quite opinionated on the subject. After all these years, he has become even more opinionated, <laughs> and I can relate to that sentiment so much, Chris. Welcome to the show. It's good to be with you again. Well, we're so glad to have you, and as I mentioned, you were probably the biggest influence on my own life with homeschooling, and um, the vision that God put in my own heart, which ultimately led me to start the Life Schooling Conference. So. To give our listeners a little background, I discovered your blog years ago, and it really just made such an impact on me. I think the first article that I read was the one about the acorn, and I'm going to actually post that link on our description in this podcast. But you expressed these kinds of ideas that had really been circling around in my head for a while, and you just really put them in such a concrete way and helped to solidify them for me, really helped to direct my own philosophy of education. And then after that, God providentially brought our paths together at one of Ray Perry's conferences, her Home Education for Home Business conference, which I think that was about four years ago or so. I, I think so, yes. Yeah. And my daughter at that time had been writing her novel for about a year, and, and it was um, just really cool how that all happened, that she got to, to show you her book, and, um, and that was something really special for her, to, for you to be the first person to read it, actually. So I've always kind of kept that analogy about the acorn in my head and tried to really raise my children to be who God has called them to be. And I think that it's kind of revolutionary, which it really shouldn't be. So can you give us a little more insight about this idea of, of just tell us a little bit about that analogy and, and what this whole idea is about raising children with an eye on their gifts and, okay. and what God wants them to do? Well... Most people, uh, <clears throat> particularly those who have been raised in the public school, um, see children as a blank slate or an empty vessel to be filled with what we would call education. And, and we look at the public school and what it does to teach children, and we say, okay, well, they obviously know what they're doing. I mean, they've been doing this a long time, so all we mm -hmm. need to do is... Uh, is fill our children up with the same sorts of things that they would get in the public school. One of the most important one being that children do not come into this world. Now, I'm giving you my opinion, obviously. Mm -hmm. 
children do not come into this world as a blank slate or an empty vessel to be filled up with um, pre predetermined education. Uh, they come into this world already with giftings and talents that God has placed within them. And uh, most of the time, parents, even homeschooling parents, uh, ignore this fact to the detriment of the child. Mm -hmm. And so they spend all of their time quote-unquote educating the child and not even paying attention to the fact that God's trying to um, illuminate to the parents what he's done in this child. And it's, it's really marvelous to see a parent uh, asking the child's creator mm -hmm. what, uh, what he has created and then they can allow the child to spend years and years becoming uh, world-class, should we say, at what God has already put within the child. Mm -hmm. and, and the educational process toward that is, is easy because what you're doing is you're allowing the child to become who the child already is. Uh, but right. that's not something that most homeschoolers do anymore uh, because they just don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Or they don't. They just don't have the faith that if they were to ask the, the child's creator, "Who is this that you've given me to raise?" that uh, the child's father, heavenly father, will actually tell them. Mm -hmm. And do you think? I I think a lot of it is um, not having really reevaluated what is education and really, like you said, really thinking through that. Um, I think also, though, and, and would you agree that a big part of it is just a fear? And what do I do? You know, it's so outside the box. It's so contrary to what everyone else is doing that it really does, like you said, it, it, it takes faith. It really does take a big step of faith to say, well, I know that everyone else is doing, you know, fifth grade math and fifth grade English and, and, and doing all of these things a certain way, but we're just going to... We're going to go over here and just, you know, let them, let them pursue this path. Let them pursue writing a book or, or doing this other thing. I mean, that takes faith, I think. I know I feel like it takes a lot of faith sometimes, and I find myself struggling with that fear for sure. Yeah. Well, um, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, probably the vast majority of homeschooling parents uh, once they decide that their children are not going to public school, uh, all of a sudden they're faced with, now, oh great, now what do I do? Mm -hmm. um, if they're going to be home and I'm supposed to educate them, uh, what do I do? So obviously I'm going to turn to those that I feel like I already know, you know which is either going to be a curriculum company or mm -hmm. it's going to be uh, whatever the public school is doing, uh, I'll just replicate that at home. And what they do is they, uh, they, they buy curriculum, um, they, they put their child in a grade, uh, which mirrors all the other children who are the same age. And uh, it's, it's a huge waste of a child's time because uh, there's no room for experiences. It's, mm -hmm. all about, it's all about academics. And so we decided early on that our children would never be in a grade. Now, if your child's never in a grade, then uh, it, that be, that's an, kind of an interesting choice because you, <laughs> you, you think to yourself, okay, well, what, is, what, does, what does a child really need to know to survive in the 21st century world? 
And, and if you think about it, if you just give that some thought, you can make some lists and say, okay, well, every child should know these things. And then you start thinking about what the public school teaches beyond those things, and you realize that there's a lot of it that's completely irrelevant to your child. Uh, and then you think about the things that the public school doesn't teach, uh, like entrepreneurial skills and how to handle money and uh, relational issues and things like that, mm -hmm. and you realize uh, now you have time to include those things uh, in your child's upbringing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is that what did so? Did you basically sit down, you and your wife, and and make a list like that, and then um, did you sort of reevaluate year by year? How what did that look like exactly in your homeschool? Well, first off, uh, let me just say that back back in the days when when we started homeschooling, uh, it wasn't about homeschooling, mm -hmm. uh, and and I say that to people, and they look at me like I don't know what you're talking about, but. <laughs> But it was 12 years before we had our first child. Um, and so by the time our children started coming along, uh, the last thing in the world we wanted was for them to be gone from home 30 or 40 hours a week for 12 years. Uh, we felt like that would be like you giving me a watermelon, but you're eating the heart out of it before you give it to me. Hmm. And we just didn't want our kids to be taken away from the house. And it really didn't matter why the government was wanting them to be gone. Uh, we just weren't going to let it happen. Now, obviously, it was against the law back then, but it didn't matter to us. We were going to do it anyway. So, so we, yeah, we said, okay, well, what what does a person need to know? And there's nothing wrong with looking at what the public school does or or a curriculum list or whatever, and just start making lists. Okay, well, obviously, they need to know how to read. They need to know how to uh, communicate. They need to know uh, basic math and, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they need to know how to speak the English language correctly. They need to know how to write. And all these things I've listed in my book. But um, when your child is not in a grade, then you can say, okay, so he's not reading when he's uh, six or seven or eight years old. That's no big deal. Now, in public school, that would be a huge deal. Mm -hmm. but, but if you know that your child is eventually going to read... Uh, but he's just too busy putting things together and taking them apart, then then you don't have to worry about stuff like that. Uh, as far as math is concerned, you know, your child can learn, one of your children can learn something uh, when he's eight, and the, whereas the other child doesn't learn it until he's 15. None of that matters as long as you have in your head, uh, this is what we would consider to be a prepared child to go out into the world when he leaves home. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think, again, it comes right back to that whole faith thing because it's it's really easy in theory and in philosophy, and then when it gets to the everyday, the day-in, day-out teaching, and you see, oh, they... He has that testing every year. <laughs> That's what yeah. really gets me. That's what really gets me because, um, and we just did our testing, and my kids did great. I mean, they both did great. But then there's that one section you think, oh, they didn't do so great on that section. So yeah. maybe we're, quote, unquote, behind. And then, he, then I say to myself, well, behind what? Behind, yeah. I guess, what other people say they should know by now, you know, behind where they should supposedly be by now. But again, it's kind of this artificial construct, 
and we really have to release ourselves from that. Um, but I guess where I struggle these days, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you privately later this week and getting a little counseling from you, um, just about the whole high school thing, because when you get to a certain point, you start thinking, okay, this has been great all through their growing up years, but now, now we're in high school, and now if God calls them to college, what then? So I'm interested to hear how how did you make that transition with your kids? I'm sure you really, I'm sure you and they really prayed through that to determine, are they even on the college route or are they going to be more entrepreneurial, which I believe your kids were, um, did go that direction. But I'd like to kind of hear a little bit about that particular struggle. Well, yeah. Um, in the first place, I don't believe in teenagerism mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't even believe in high school. So, because high school means uh, a certain grade. Right. And so what I was interested in doing was discovering, and it's not easy, it's, I mean it's not hard to discover, discover what uh, what passions my children have for whatever it is that it, it appears that they really want to give themselves to. Uh, my oldest son wanted to give himself to computer programming. Um, and so I had to make room uh, for him to to learn how to do that, and he taught himself the computer languages. Uh, and, you know, he's 38 now, but he started when he was 13, which was a long time ago. That sounds very uh, much like Connor. He's going that same exact route, actually. Yeah, but <laughs> I had to give I had to give him time to do that, uh, which meant that there were other things. Even though he was of the age that would be considered high school, uh, there. Uh, there were other things that I didn't do that he would have been required to do in a public school situation. But then, you know, there were things that I said to him now, you know, according to me, there are some things that you're going to need to know. Right. And so we're going, you know, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to ignore those things because that's on my list of things which you need to know. But uh, all three of my sons ultimately uh, received uh, scholarships to college. And my older son just turned it down because he was he was already too busy uh, doing computer programming, so he just flat out turned it down. The other two boys, uh, when they got into their late 20s, they both received scholarships to college, and they both went to college, but their businesses became so successful that they had to drop out of college because they, they had to give something up, and college was just taking too much of their time, even though they loved it. They just uh, they they couldn't continue, so huh. so here's here's my older son who's now working for a large company and he's responsible for overseeing a whole group of PhDs in mathematics, and uh, you know math was not his strongest suit. <laughs> That's but funny. It's just it's funny he considers himself the 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 least intelligent of the group and yet he oversees all these people. <laughs> um, but uh, let me let me respond to something that you said, uh, and then we can come back to this thing about yeah. high school. Sure. Um, my mind is is going in all kinds of different directions here. But uh, you mentioned the word fear uh, a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. and I think probably that is the thing that is most uh, detrimental in the whole homeschooling situation, because it's easier for parents to just buy a curriculum. 
uh, or to buy a software program that's you know that they can put their child in front of, or workbooks that they can put their child in front of, and and feel like somebody else knows better than they do, and so a lot of time is spent. Um, a lot of it's wasted time, in my opinion, because to me, school books, school, but experiences are what teach, and and I would much rather give my kids uh, a uh, a whole life of experiences than than a whole library of of workbooks and school books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so refreshing to hear you talk about your kids and their successes because I, I've been really strong and passionate about this whole topic for years and years and years. And then I find myself, it's like that fear is just suddenly starting to creep in now that we're at this point. And I think a lot of it is kind of that peer pressure and that looking around at other people. But we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to compare ourselves to others. We're supposed to talk to the Lord and find out what his path is for our children. And they're supposed to be discovering this and praying about it and and not worrying about what the world does or about what people think or about the future because God yeah. has it all planned out. And, yeah. you know, if we trust, he's not going to let us, um, you know, it's going to work out. Yeah, exactly. And, and we, you know, we're there are certain things that we... We think, well, I don't know that uh, that I want my child to go in that direction. Well, one of my sons, who is returning from Romania today, I mean Serbia today, sorry, mm-hmm. um, he became a professional dancer uh, and and worked uh, for Carnival Cruise Lines for several years. But what he what really happened was that he had a heart for business, and so because he wasn't a drinker or a or a party goer like everybody else on on board ship. He just he used the time to save all of his money, and now he's a, a highly successful businessman uh, who married a Serbian girl that he met on board ship, and uh, he's just today returning from Serbia after spending a month there. Uh, so, and what an interesting story too. <laughs> you know what an interesting path. Yeah. Um, it's an adventure when you just an adventure. let God lead you. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So anyway, um, you were talking about high school. Do you want to continue on that vein? Or, sure. Or what? If you have anything else to kind of mention about that, yeah, absolutely. I'm all ears, or we can move on whenever you're ready. Well, I think probably if I had it to do over again, I would have um, I would have kept a little bit more track of what my sons were doing in their teenage years. And when I say mm-hmm. track, I mean... I would have, uh, I would have written it down. Is I what struggle. I'm to say. Yeah, I struggle with that. That's exactly yeah. what I struggle with. And, and I think that the the looser that you are, or the the less the less public schoolish you are in in your raising your, your children, mm-hmm. uh, the more you tend not to do that. But but uh, you know, trying to recreate uh, years worth of of experiences and trying to figure out what what they are, what that means, uh, is more difficult than if you, if you're writing down, say, every week or something, what you did. Right. Because uh, one of the things that uh, we ended up having to do was, was to create. Uh, uh, I can't even think of the word. Um, what do you call it at the end uh, of? Tra- at the end of. The transcript. Yeah, transcript. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, 
and we had like thousands of hours worth of, of electives and we had to, we had to figure out okay what what does all this mean but you know it, it really didn't matter uh, it, it didn't matter whether they graduated or whether they got a GED or whether they did graduate uh, because colleges um, colleges wanted these kids hmm. and and more and more they are they are wanting these kids hmm. so it, it's less of a fear thing than most people think it is that's neat that's really encouraging to hear definitely encouraging for me <laughs> um, so talk to us about now that you're you're through the years of homeschooling and you're looking back as a homeschool pioneer Talk to us a little bit about what you really saw the movement as being, and what are your concerns today? Now that you're you're seeing what it's what it's becoming, um, just share with us your heart on that. Okay. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say something that uh, that I'm not sure a lot of people would appreciate. But my my honest belief is that God raised up the homeschooling movement. And, and he did that not to give kids an alternative education, but to, to raise up a group of young people who, who were not raised by the government uh, or who were not raised at home by the government, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who, who were actually raised to, to function in the gifts and callings that God had put within them from the foundation of the earth. And because one of these days, there's going to need a, a subculture of people who know what's going on, who understand the times, like it says in, in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I believe it's not going to be every, all homeschool kids, but it's going to be, it's going to be homeschool kids who, who grew up and they, just, they don't think like, like public school kids think. But they, they were... So to me, anyway, the, the whole homeschooling movement was, was about raising a generation for the future. Mm-hmm. I agree and with you. So anyway, that's, that's kind of ethereal, I understand, but that's kind of really what I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. So do you see, do you see the movement shifting, and, and what are your thoughts about that? Because I... I feel like I do, just even in the years that I've been homeschooling, and I'm, if you count from day one, which you probably do as I do, I've been in it like 16 years. And I feel like I've really seen a shift over the years as I've been doing it. It looks like more homeschoolers are coming into the movement and bringing all the trappings of school with them and sort of treating it like the public school at home, which is a big part of the reason for the life schooling conference it's it's so much part of my passion and vision to really get the ideas that you and the other homeschool pioneers had to bring them back to help these newer homeschoolers understand what the movement was really about and that yeah. can be different than what they think well many of us who began homeschooling in the in the 1980s uh, immediately Almost immediately, within just a few years of of starting to homeschool, we began to notice a change. Those of us, particularly those of us who were traveling and speaking uh, at homeschool conferences, uh, because the question that was being asked us was, uh, "What's the best 
what's the best product for me to use to teach this mm -hmm. this particular uh, subject uh, and you know my child you would ask how old is your child and they'd say my child's in fifth grade and you'd say no that wasn't what I asked you I asked you how old your child was but but we began to see that that it was probably a mistake to to give the name homeschooling to this movement because what we didn't realize was that we were all about the home and as the movement became popular it it became about the school mm -hmm. and so uh, people were prioritizing how to educate their children rather than how to raise their children. And so uh, it, it became a, enough of a concern to us that we actually met in Orlando uh, a few years into the movement to see if we could change the name of it so that the word schooling was not a part of the phrase homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Because what we realized was people, people prioritize what they're insecure about and uh, they're mostly insecure about how they're, how they're going to educate their children. And so they're prioritizing that because that's the thing they're insecure about. Rather than prioritizing raising their children and giving them life experiences and, uh, and growing up as a family together and just understanding that uh, the education is going to work itself out and yet uh, everybody became um, just uh, infused with fear that uh, they're they don't know what they're gonna they don't know how to do it so now it's become public school at home mm -hmm. pretty much yeah it's it's very sad to me <laughs> um, yeah and that's again it's just why a huge part of the reason why we do the life schooling conference is just to bring this idea of freedom back into the movement and so people understand and we even have coined the term life schooling because because I agree I feel like the term homeschooling has itself has almost become corrupted and when you say that people um, people think of it as what it has become rather than the heart behind behind the movement which was mm -hmm. like you said to raise our children in the fear of the Lord and to train them and disciple them it's about discipleship and I always think of the verse, uh, Matthew 3.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And that's yeah. a, a promise that we have. Um, right. So I just, yeah, I so agree with your heart on this whole thing. Well, and when you go to a curriculum fair nowadays, uh, basically what you're looking for is the best, uh, the best choice of how to teach a particular subject. Right. But that's, that's the priority is... What is the what what reaches out to me as the best way to teach math or the best way to teach language arts or the best way to teach science? It's it's not about you know it's about what what makes me feel comfortable, what makes me feel secure as a parent, right. not what's best for the child or even who this child is. Right. That is such a that is a profound point, and I think if people could really get a hold of that, if homeschooling parents could really get a hold of that idea, that it's not about what makes us feel safe and secure and, and what we think will teach the su particular subject in the best way. It's about finding the gifts in our child and what God has called them to be and really encouraging that because all of, all of the other things, all of the subjects flow out from there. 
in a very natural way. And we don't even have a curriculum uh, fair at our conference because of this very thing. (laughs) We don't want people to get so, um, so, you know, become enslaved to their curriculum to where they can't hear the voice of the Lord. And it's, and I I tell people, it's not that we're against curriculum. There's some great curriculum if that's what, what God has called you to, but you have to make sure you pick the one that he has for you and your child, not just what makes you feel secure. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. So I want to talk to you a little bit about traveling because I know that that had a huge influence on, on you and, and really helped to develop your perspective with your philosophy of education, the trip that you had with your grandmother. Um, and you talk about that in your book, Gifted, Raising Children Intentionally, which I love that book, and I recommend it to everyone. In fact, we gave it away at our uh, life schooling conference a couple of years ago, the first conference that we did. So right. share with us about that and how that impacted you so much. Well, I was a pretty typical um, ADHD... <laughs> Same here. <laughs> teenage, teenage kid, and I didn't like school... Um, which was interesting because there were there were certain things that I loved, um, like I love re- I love writing, for instance. Me too. Um, I love public speaking in school, but all of the things that I was required to learn other outside of that, pretty much, uh, I just I hated I hated being in a in a classroom at a little desk when when I really wanted to be outside. And uh, and I felt like I was learning so much more just being able to be outside than I was in the classroom. But um, one day my grandmother was visiting uh, visiting us, and uh, she asked me. This was a, you know Thanksgiving time, and she asked me what I what I was learning in school. And I mentioned the Pilgrims, and she she loved American history. She actually was born in uh, 1879, and she. Uh, had seen a lot of history by the time she was 78 years old, which mm. is how old she was. And so she asked me, oh, she she was so excited that I was learning about the pilgrims. And I was not even interested a little bit. And I made that pretty clear to her, <laughs> and uh, which was not a happy thing to say to my grandmother. But uh, it, it to make a long story shorter, uh, the next summer she she arrived to take to whisk me off and uh, I didn't really know what was going on, but she, I was 13, she was 78, and, uh, and we spent three months on the road in her 48 Chevrolet, and, and she took me to, to the, I, I lived in California at the time, and she took me to the East Coast, and we spent three months just visiting all the historical sites um, on the East Coast. And it was amazing to me because I, I fell in love with history, and I would, and she, she was a teacher, and she didn't spend a single moment teaching me anything. She just exposed me to Plymouth Colony and to Williamsburg and Jamestown and Yorktown and Kitty Hawk and on and on and on. <laughs> um, and and it was it was amazing. We camped every night. She's seventy eight years old. <laughs> we camped every night, and uh, and it it set the tone to my understanding of what education was. I could have read about all those things in a book and probably would have, some teachers would have tried to teach them to me, but but, yeah, but I was given a set of experiences 
and that that really shaped my whole understanding of the difference between like I said earlier school books school but experiences are, are what really teach absolutely that's such a cool story I um, had something similar growing up I was I think seven and we took a trip across the country with my family they took uh, they were both te- my parents were both teachers and so we took a month off had a little pop-up camper and it was a real sacrifice financially because they did not get paid a lot but we took a month that summer and drove across the country and stopped at different places. And, um, you know, I'll never forget how much it made history come alive as we studied American history in following years in elementary school. I just remember, you know, we'd read about things and I'm like, I went there. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was so real. And I just, I love that. I don't think my parents realized what what a huge experience that would be for for their kids, but at least for me, it, it really was, and it made things come alive to me. Right. So, so I love that. And while we're on the topic of travel and how it fits with life schooling, with homeschooling, tell us a little bit about the Israel tours that you started. Um, I'm not sure how long ago you started those, but I think helping our children understand the Bible better and it's ac- that it's actual history is really an important thing for us to do with our homeschooling. Well, 16 years ago, um, I went to Israel with my youngest son and, uh, and realized, okay, uh, I'm a homeschooler, and uh, my oldest son and youngest son have been to Israel. Why don't I just start a, a business called Homeschool Travel? And uh, I eventually changed the name to Experiencing Israel. But, uh, you know, if, if we're going to raise our children biblically, Let's include a trip to Israel so that they can actually see the places and, and uh, you know, yeah. view, the, view the places and read the stories right where it happened and so forth. So uh, I can't tell you how many hundreds of families I've taken in 16 years to Israel. And it's been, it's been wonderful. It's been a really great thing. That's really neat. I I am going to get there someday. I know I am, (laughs) (laughs) because I just I think it's so important, and I've always just longed to see where Jesus walked and walk in those same places. And again, I just think it makes things come alive in a different way than just reading, than just reading in our Bibles about it. Oh yeah, more than you know. Yeah. Uh, It it really is to to actually. be in the stream where David picked up his five stones and pick huh. up your own five stones and realize that this is you know this wow. is the place where it actually happened it's very cool yeah yeah it's hard to have words to express I'm sure um, so where can people get information about the Israel trips if they want to learn more about that they can um, they can either go to experiencing with an ing experiencing com. Uh, and on my website, I've got uh, next year's trips, and mm-hmm. and they can look at the itinerary. They can look at the costs. They can uh, look at all all of the different things that I have on the website. Awesome! And tell us about your book, Gifted, um, Raising Children Intentionally. Where should people buy a copy of that? And they need to buy a copy. I'm just going to say <laughs> that again. They need to have a copy. It's awesome. They can get that on Amazon. Okay. Uh, it's gifted a colon, raising children intentionally. Okay. Uh, because there are a lot of books that have the word gifted in them. 
Right. So you have to you have to put the whole title in Gifted Raising Children intentionally. Well, and I love the title too because I think again, it's this this mentality of putting kids in boxes and you have the gifted kids and then you have all the average kids and then you have the, you know, dis disabled or I can't think of the um yeah. word I want, but you know, it's why do we have to why do we have to do that? They're all gifted. They're all gifts yeah. from God and they have gifts to bring to the world and to do great things for him. So mm -hmm. I love the title. Well, Chris, it has been just an honor and a privilege to talk to you today. And I've really enjoyed just getting to, to hear your heart again and to share it with everyone, with all of our listeners today. So thanks for coming on. You're welcome. I'd love to talk about this, obviously. And so I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. Anytime. And that's Life is a Life Schooler. Hope you'll join us next time.